In this, we had four people that you would each run 100 relays and then you'd pass off the baton. And we were really, really excited for this. We'd practice during our recess and um, the times that we had for track and field practice. And we came up with a plan, a three-headed monster attack that would guarantee us victory in this track and field event. This is what our plan was. Part one, one of us was going to bring a lot of energy drinks. Part two, somebody was going to bring a lot of Mountain Dew. And part three, one of us was going to bring a bunch of pixie sticks. And we figured that if we juiced ourselves up with the energy drinks, with the caffeinated Mountain Dew, and with the sugar, that we were going to be, have so much energy and we were going to be so hyper that there was no way that we were going to lose the race. Needless to say, we didn't win. (laughs) But we really tried hard, and we wanted to win. And we we wanted to do anything that we could in order to get victory in that race. And that is the concept that Paul is telling us in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27 which reads, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. That was 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. This verse is telling us that if we want to grow as believers, we need to train. Our lives should be trademarked by a constant desire to grow closer to Christ and for us to increase in our ability to follow him. Paul is exhorting believers here not to live a lazy Christian lifestyle where we think to ourselves, you know what? I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. Now I can pursue my American dream and just do whatever I want and go through the motions when it comes to my faith. Instead, Paul is saying that you should say to yourself, God created you to be in a relationship with me. And yes, you sinned and that separated us. But I loved you so much that I died for you so that we could have a relationship together. And we should look at that and say, in light of all that God has done for me, I want to give this Christian life my all. I want to train hard and follow Christ with a reckless abandonment. People around me will have no question that I'm a follower of Christ. The question is, What does it mean to train as a Christian? Well, I think this passage gives us a clue. It says, run in such a way as to get a prize. We need to have something that we're training for. When you exercise, I think one of the best things you can do for yourself is to have a goal, right? Maybe you want to be at a certain weight, or maybe you want to have a certain weight that you could lift, 
Maybe it's a certain distance you want to be able to run. Or better yet, maybe you have an event that you're training for. Setting a goal gives us a reason to work hard. The alternative is that when you're out running and it starts to hurt, you're like, why am I putting myself through this torture? This is stupid. I'm not going to do this. And you stop. But giving ourselves a goal makes us feel a need to grow. Because when we compare ourselves to that goal, we're like, we're not there. We need to keep working. That's why goals work. Because it gives us something to drive and to work toward. And I think the same is true of our minds. Our brains receive so much information every single day. So much that there's no possible way for us to remember everything. God designed our brains to discard information that we don't think we need to remember. Because of this, I think there's many times when we don't grow as much as we could, when we have opportunities to learn something that will help us to grow in our faith. And we end up forgetting most of it because at the time, we don't think we need that information. And I think that's especially true of, like, sermons. I mean, the truth is, if we were to, like, ask you what, you know, did we talk about here a year ago, most of you would probably be like, I don't remember very much of what we talked about at Freedoms. Because the truth is, a lot of times when we receive information, even good, important information that helps us grow in our, our Christian life, we don't think we need it and we end up forgetting about it and never thinking about it again. As humans, though, we grow best when we are in a place where we have a cognitive feeling. We know that we need the information that we're learning. In other words, the best learning happens when we feel a need to learn the things that we are being taught. My argument for today is that the best way for us to feel a need to grow spiritually is to have intentional relationships with unbelievers, people who are outside of the body of Christ. And an intentional relationship with unbelievers means that we set a goal to influence people outside the body of Christ. And we have a desire to help them in the relationship to meet God and to have a relationship with him that affects their eternity. And I think that is the best way for us to feel a need to grow spiritually. And I believe that is the reason that Paul makes this statement in Philemon verse 6. When he says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. Paul here is saying that relationships with unbelievers cause us to grow. They cause us to help and help us to understand what Christ did for us and how it impacts our life. I believe the reason for this is that relationships with unbelievers are one of the best ways to give us that need to grow feeling. And I want to show you three reasons today why relationships with unbelievers put us in a place that make us feel a need to grow. The first is that relationships with unbelievers make us feel a need to understand the gospel better. Here's what I mean. When you are living and having a relationship with unbelievers, they're going to ask questions about why you are living differently. 
If you bring up God in spiritual conversations, chances are they're going to have objections. And they're going to ask questions. And I know that that's really, really scary to think that somebody might have a question and ask a question of me when I'm talking about Jesus that I don't know the answer for. But I think that that question and their objections can provide you with some of the best opportunities because it, it shows you an area in your faith that you don't know the answer to. And it's going to drive you to go find the answer. And I think that when we find the answer, it's going to stick with us better than if we were to hear somebody talk about it like in a sermon or in a story. And the reason I feel so strongly about that is one of my favorite parts of my job, which is working with students, is when a student texts me and says, hey David, I'm talking to one of my friends about Jesus, and they brought up this question, and I don't know the answer to it. And nine times out of ten, the first thing that pops into my head is, we talked about that in youth group a month ago. (laughs) Or, that was yesterday's Sunday school lesson. And that, that's, that's the truth. There's so many times that the students ask me questions that I've already taught them the answer to, but they don't remember it. And that's because when I was telling it to them, they didn't feel a need to know it. But when I give them the answer because they now have a reason, because their friends are asking them the questions, the information sticks. And I know this because I talked to them after they talked to the friends and I asked them how they go and I kind of quizzed them a little bit on the things that they do. And it, it amazes me how much better they remember that information. And that is really important. But the, the thing is, this is where last week's lesson came into play. We, last week we talked about how As believers, we should be engaged in Christian community. And one of the reasons that we gave is that when need-to-grow situations occur in our life, we need to have a place where we can go to find those answers. And that's why I think that's so important. The, The idea of us living in community with other believers and having relationships with unbelievers go hand in hand. And they give us a place. So when people have objections or ask questions that we don't know the answer to, we can go to our small group and say, hey, I was talking with a coworker, and this came up. I don't know how to answer that. What do you guys think? And um, our small group can say, here's what I think. Here's how I would answer that. And we can, it, it brings up a discussion that gives us the answer. And, it, and it, it's a discussion that we're going to remember and that we're going to learn from because now we have a need to grow from it. The other way is to send an email to Brandon or, or me and the funny thing is, a lot of times, like, people do do this, right? But almost all the time, like, they start off the email by saying something like, hey, I don't want to bug you, like, but I have this question. And it, it's kind of humorous, because, like, like I said, that's my favorite thing. And Brandon and I were talking about this in the context of, of a small um, a discipleship group with a couple high school guys. And... Um, the guys were talking about this idea of asking us questions. And Brandon made a comment during that group that I was like, yes, that is how I feel too. And 
I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember his exact words, but it was something along the lines of, if every person in the congregation were to email me on a weekly basis asking me questions because, that they don't know when they're sharing with a, a coworker, I would be the happiest pastor on the planet. Brandon and I love it when you guys ask us questions. That is, that is just, it just feels so good and it's so encouraging as a pastor when, when people show a desire to grow. Don't feel bad about asking questions. We encourage you and we love it when you send us questions. So the first thing, the reason that we feel a need to grow with non-believers is it, it makes us understand the gospel better because it creates a need inside of us to understand the truths of our faith and we remember those things. Secondly, is it makes us feel a need to set a better example. It's this idea that when unbelievers around us know that we are Christians and they know some of the things that the Bible teaches, I think it puts us in a place where we feel a need to set a good example for them and to represent Christ well. And I think this can be one of the best ways for us to avoid sin in our lives. It's a principle called glass house living. And I think it, it feeds off human nature. I think it's just a truth about the way humans are wired. That when people are watching us, and we know they're watching us, we act in such a way that we want their approval. We want them to see us in a certain way. And I think that when we know that unbelievers are watching the way that we're living, I think it helps us to try our very best to live as people with character and integrity. And unbelievers in our life can be one of the greatest catalysts to us saying, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to go into that sin. I don't want to be hypocritical. I don't want to be two-faced. And I don't want to be a bad example for Christ. Thirdly, relationships with unbelievers create a need for us to grow in our ability to share the gospel. This is different than the first one because the first one is our personal understanding of the gospel. But I think when we are in relationships with unbelievers and we're talking about them, we get better at our ability to represent Christ with our words and with our actions in a way that we can actually start responding to their questions in a way that they're like, oh, that's a really good point. I never thought that way. Or we learn how to do it with tact and not to be a jerk when we're sharing the faith, which is really, really important. And I think we learn how to read people and how to understand where they're coming from and how to, baby, um, to actually share the gospel with them in a way that they can respond to. Because I think that's important because not everybody, I think, will understand the gospel the same way. There's many different styles and techniques to sharing the gospel. And I think they work differently. And this, so these three reasons are really important. And I think experience is the best teacher we can have when we are able to lead people to Christ. We, when we go out and we constantly do it, our experience makes us better. 
And through these three areas, we create this need to grow in our relationship that, that causes us to grow. One of the best examples of how relationships with unbelievers can help us to grow spiritually happened with one of our high school seniors. Her name is Melanie. And I'd like to invite her up here now. Um, and I'm going to interview her so you can hear her story of how a relationship with an unbeliever helped her to grow as a believer in Christ. Hey, Melanie. Hi. <laughs> All right. So, Melanie, about a year, year and a half ago or so, you had a foreign exchange student living with you who was not a believer. Um, how did that impact your relationship with Christ? Well, it challenged me a lot. Um, it was a, whoa, that's really loud. It was an eye-opening experience. It caused me to see what it was like to not, like, it caused me to see her perspective of what it's like to not be brought up in a Christian environment. And it also questioned, it made me question why I believe what I believe mm-hmm. and why Christianity is true. And it also brought me so close to God because I was so thankful that he gave me Christian parents that encouraged me and wanted me to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that you are now following Christ. How did the foreign exchange student help you to decide to, to really follow him? Well, again, while she was living with us, um, I was a witness to how her lifestyle was like mm-hmm. without God. And I felt like she was lost. She couldn't answer some really difficult life questions like, what, <clears throat> like what's going to happen and how life is going to impact her in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, it also made me see that Christianity isn't just a religion and that it's a relationship with God, that it's going to be very challenging because you need to be confident in your faith when going into the world, and that I felt that since God gave me his son like to die for me, that the greatest thing that I could do is give him my life and my obedience and just be a disciple for him. And that I know that my relationship with God will be eternal and everlasting and satisfying and will not compare to any experience or any worldly relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you try to live in contrast to that worldly um, type of material, materialistic relationship that um, she was living? Well, I strive to be a good example. Um, It made me evaluate all my actions, and I tried to live in a way that would demonstrate a Christian lifestyle. Um, I mostly wanted to let God shine through me, and I wanted to leave a lasting impression, and I wanted her to question, to kind of think to herself, what's different about Melanie? Like, why does she act the way she does? And I wanted her to be able to say, God shines through her. It's his love and grace that just kind of flows through her and 
impacts the choices she makes. Yeah. So you're saying you tried to live in such a way that demonstrated Christ in your life. Yes. Um, did you ever talk to her about Christ? Yes. Uh, that's, it was pretty hard. Yeah. Because it was very new to her, and I honestly had never really spoken to somebody that didn't know Christ and didn't understand why my lifestyle was the way it was. Um, mm-hmm. Did she agree with, you know, was she like, oh, yes, Jesus loves me, awesome, and let's go? She was, she loved the fact that God accepted you no matter what. Mm-hmm. But um, we would get into discussions about lifestyle choices that she didn't necessarily agree with all the time. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was very eye-opening and a great experience. But um, I also got to know her a lot better through that. But she didn't always agree with um, biblical, factual evidence mm-hmm. or things like that, which was hard to explain why I lived the way I did. So it was kind of a circle mm-hmm. each what did you do when she brought up these questions or objections to your faith? Well, I talked to my mom. Um, I felt that it was really hard for me to talk to Julia sometimes because mm-hmm. her, sorry, <laughs> um, because I always felt I had a judgmental reaction, mm-hmm. and I didn't want that at all because I knew God wouldn't be judgmental towards her and that he'd love her no matter what. And so I strive to be that way. But anyways, I would talk to my mom and I'd ask her for the words and the patience to explain things to her and just like talk about it and accept her opinions. I would also come to you and text you even though I forgot. (laughs) Um, um, I'd ask you... Um, like questions like how can I convince her that the Bible is reliable and just factual evidence that God was who he said he was and that he sent his son to die for us and that he loves us like everlastingly and Carissa helped me a lot she um, was always just there for me with when we went to districts and just to be patient with her because for my exchange student, it was very hard to be surrounded by such <clears throat> strong believers. And just, I feel like she really understood a Christian relationship after districts. But um, Krista just kind of helped me word things with her and be really open and understanding. Um, I also read Case for Christ, great book, I really liked it, and I took notes, and after reading it, it just kind of stuck with me, the information, because when it would just, like, come up, like, me and Julie would be talking, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wait, I remember that, and I'd go back and, like, highlight or read, and be like, Julia, this, 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 and this, like, that, that's why, and it, it was very helpful. I also prayed a lot. Like it was so assuring, assuring, assuring. That's mm-hmm. the word. Okay, <laughs> assuring that God was there and He was watching over me and just 
giving me the words to talk to her. And I pray that she'd soften her heart towards God and that even though we may not agree on things, that our relationship would just grow even stronger. That's awesome. Um, How did doing those things help you to grow as a follower of Christ? Well, um, because I needed information and the knowledge to talk to Julia, like factual information and um, proof and knowledge of God, they stuck with me because I was utilizing them. And I knew that once I go out into the world, like college and the work, working environment, that I would be constantly, not always put down, but questioned for my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me see the importance of being a disciple and strengthen my relationship with God. Can you say the question again? <laughs> yeah. Um, how did doing those things help you to grow as a follower of Christ? Um, it made me see that great people will be in the world and they will not at all know God or be able to have the opportunity to have a relationship with, her, with him. And it, I feel like it's our duty as a Christian to be a disciple and to just witness to them because otherwise they're just kind of lost. And it's scary to think about that, like, that's why I'm so thankful that I was brought up in a Christian environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this opportunity was given to me at a perfect time in my life where I was influential. I was in high school. I had some negative um, influences, but she was so close to me, I never really... I thought it could have been a negative influence, but I, it was a challenge. But I, um, I ended up being a positive influence on her. Mm-hmm. But I felt that this was kind of a wake-up call for me and that, I wasn't, that it made me see that I wasn't going to be surrounded by positive influences forever and that I needed to be confident in my faith. That's awesome. Melanie, I've seen so much growth in you over the past year and a half, and I feel like I've really had the privilege of watching you mature in your relationship with Christ, and I'm excited to see what God does in you and through you for the rest of your life, and I feel like this is really, this, this time in your life was that, that spark that helped you to go from that, okay, my parents believe this, I'm believing it kind of with them, to now this faith is mine, and I'm just, I'm really excited to, to see what God's going to do now. Your life. Can I pray for you? Yes. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for Melanie um, and for her courage to come up here and share her story. Um, Lord, I thank you for this foreign exchange student that you put in her life um, and that you helped her um, to see the importance of making her faith real and living it out and knowing the answers to the questions. Um, Father, I pray um, that you would be with this foreign exchange student and that you would be continuing to convict her heart of the truth of the gospel and that she would um, surrender her life to you um, just like Melanie has. Lord, I pray that you would bless Melanie and keep her following you for the rest of her life and that she would continue to to do really amazing, awesome things for you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Melanie.
you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, putting yourself in situations that cause you to feel a need to grow can be the best thing you can do. And I think one of the best situations for that is having relationships with unbelievers. The battle for the heart is about who is in charge of what we do. We used to be controlled by our sinful nature, but the gospel is this. Christ died to pay the penalty for our sin. The gospel, however, is not just the entrance for us to be on the Christian and and go into heaven. The gospel is the path that we must center our lives on. If we trust in ourselves, we will not grow. If we trust in God, we will mature. That is the gospel. To help us to grow, God has given us the Holy Spirit. Our relationship with God is trademarked on our end by obedience. When we obey God, it's our cooperation with what he is doing in our lives. And through that, we bear fruit. God also facilitates community and empowers us differently so that the body of believers grow together. When we stay connected to other believers and have strong in relationships, we velcro ourselves to community that provides the support that we need when we are in a need-to-grow situation. And finally, when we have intentional relationships with those outside of the body of believers, we feel the areas of needed growth in our lives. When we are sensitive to these felt areas where we need to grow and we trust God's work in us, obey the Holy Spirit, and allow other believers to support and help us, we find ourselves experiencing maturity. And it is through these three relationships, the up, the in, and the out, as they center on the gospel, that we experience victory as we engage in the battle for the heart. Let's pray. Father, we know that we are in a lost and broken world. Lord, you came 2,000 years ago and you died on the cross. You also trained 12 men to build the church. Lord, 2,000 years later, that church is us. And we are the organism that you has designated to bring the good news of the gospel to the world around us. Lord, we know that it's intimidating and scary to have relationships with people that disagree with us at our core. But Lord, we pray that you would help us to desire to have a relationship with them and to influence them with the gospel. And Lord, even if they want nothing of it, Lord, we know that we can grow from the experience. So Lord, in closing, I pray that you would help us to center our lives around the gospel. That you would help us to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and to you. That you would give us a desire to be involved in community. And you would give us the courage to have relationships with unbelievers. And through these things that we would experience maturity. Amen.